you know, he would step across the line. Habitually. He's a habitual line stepper. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. What up, boy? What up, man? Yo. Welcome to the Eventual Line Steppers Podcast, y'all. I am Garrett Langley Henson. And I am the New York Knicks. Let's go. <laughs> You're going down, son. Nah, I said that, Terry. Welcome y'all to a very special episode of the Habitual Line Steppers podcast. We got the matchup that we've all been waiting for. <sighs> the Knicks versus the Hawks. Oh, Terry's yeah. team versus my team. Yes, sir. So, of course, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> we're saving the best for last, guys. We're saving the best for last. Yeah. Now, we are going to start this joint off, though, is uh, finishing our awards from our last podcast series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we already did MVP. We already did all defense. We already did all NBA. So why don't we start with uh, MIP, most improved player? Most improved. All right. This is simple. I'll go first. It's between. You didn't two. have to wear his uniform. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's the J Kid. It's the J Kid. Mm. But anyways, I got a wall for you. Do like this. Oh, touching on kid, huh? <laughs> touching on kids, huh? That's tough. That's tough. But no, I, I had a Walt Frazier one, but I left it at my parents' house like years ago. So I got to go back and snatch that shit. You don't fuck with Pumas anyway. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're true. Hey, look, I'm going to start off the most improved player one. Uh, it's a simple answer for me. It's only two people you can do. It's either Jeremy Grant for the damn Detroit Pistons, because he was probably the best player on the Pistons, and he took all the shots, and their team sucks really bad. Or you can go with the good team and pick Julius Randle from the New York Knicks, who took the Knicks into the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference with three other great teams in the conference, the Bucks, the Nets, and the Sixers, and they weren't that far behind them. They weren't that far behind the Bucks. They're only three games back from the Bucks. So I'm picking Julius Randle, bro. I don't even want to hit you oh, with this. Jeremy stuff. Grant? Bro, oh, it's got to be. Grant? It's got to be. Yeah. Come on. It's I can't even act like there's a half a second. With your Knicks fandom uh, homerism for one second that you weren't going to pick Randle. Well, look, here, here's the thing about most improved. They always choose the dude that, like, his scoring average jumped from, like, 15 to 20-something or, like, 12 to 20-something points a game. But how about the guy who led a team that's never made the playoffs in the past seven years? To the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference, and like, come on, this shit's simple. How about, a guy, how about a guy who last year was competing in the playoffs, guarding LeBron and Kawhi Leonard, who turned around and led his team to the thirteenth place finish in the Eastern Conference? <laughs> what about that, huh? No, Talk Jeremy about Grant. progress. Jeremy we went from guarding the two of the five best players in the world to watch <laughs> the game on your couch with me. Um, I'm going to give my case for Jerry and Grant uh, just because the case for Randall is so overwhelming. I yeah, think yeah. we all know that he's going to win most improved. But we shall see. Jeremy Grant had the opportunity to return to a contender and bet on himself and was like, yeah. no, I want a bigger role. I don't want to just be getting buckets in transition, corner threes, and, and random dunks. He's like, I want to see what I look like as a star, as a main dude with a team around me. And uh, 
he's got to be vindicated for that, man. He showed that he could be a first banana. Now, clearly, I don't think it's a championship-level first banana. No. But he changed uh, how the whole league viewed as him as, like, a, yeah. a nice complimentary piece to a dude who could be third-best player on a championship team. Yeah, I would say third. Or I mean, scorer on a conference finals team. Look, bro, there's, there's vindication, and then there's straight stupidity. You know what I'm saying? His contract, I don't know if it's like a two, three-year. I have no idea what his contract is at all. But, I mean, is it worth it to be in Detroit and just lose and score 20 points? Is that really worth it to you? Is that hey, what people like do? <laughs> yeah, but he got traded, though. I like, know. Jeremy Grant decided to go to Detroit. No, I'm saying Blake Griffin couldn't wait to get the fuck up out of there. Like, oh, yeah. he, he, he already read this book before Jeremy Grant. Yeah. But I tell you what, though, you're, you're in having the big exclusion of all. The guy who deserves to win this award, who you didn't even mention, Terry. Michael Porter Jr.? No. The process. Um, Joel Embiid. Bruh, no. Let's not overthink this. Let's no. not overthink this, Terry. Last no. year, we were sitting in this po- at this spot of the season. Joel Embiid, fat, hurt, putting up zero burgers against people during the regular season. Yeah, yeah. Now, they got the best record in the East, led by Joel Embiid. How he's getting his points is completely changed. Uh, he's a beast from the elbow extended – He's making his free throws. He's making his threes. Yeah. He's uh, passing out of double teams to mm-hmm. people wearing Sixers jerseys instead of uh, fans sitting in the front <laughs> row. <laughs> so, he's literally – he's a guy that – if what does this award say? Most improved player. Well, he's a person who's improved his game in every facet. And the end result is he's nice. going to finish second for MVP – and the Sixers are the best team in the East. So if we nah. want to talk about improvement, that's tangible. Nah, I can't go. I can't go for that. Look, man, you're, you're thinking way too outside of the box. You need to think about actual people that are going to win most improved. Joel Embiid is going to be second or third in MVP. Hey, I'm all the way gay now. I don't think about box. <laughs> <laughs> He's not going to win, bro. That's definitely not happening. I mean, like. Honestly, the only other consideration for real, for real, is Michael Porter Jr. What do you like? What do you think about him? I think he had the most efficient shooting season on his volume um, with the assist numbers since Will Chamberlain. So that's encouraging. Yeah, a, a young player make that type of leap. At the same time, there's some positional redundancy with them trading for Aaron Gordon at that spot, and then Gordon playing heavy minutes? Well, what I'm saying is, like, just this year. So, like, last year he started eight games. This year he started 54 games, and he averaged 19 points, and he got seven rebounds, you know? He improved a lot, and he helped the Nuggets when Murray was down and everything. Let's let's be really real here, Terry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyone should win the most improved player award is Carmelo Anthony, who was out of the league last year. (laughs) <laughs> it was putting up videos of him hooping with hoodies on against people in the Y. And now he's starting for the Blazers or playing heavy minutes for them, putting up like 30 minutes a game. 
Yeah, that is that is crazy. I mean, but Loki. <laughs> so who's your who's your actual pick? Who are you thinking for real? Joel Embiid. All right, he's not gonna win. That's a good he's choice. Not, he's not gonna win. I'm gonna fuck what other people do for this. Look at the box. Look at the box. You're outside of it. <laughs> this is the box. You're outside of the box. I'm playing that dyke shit, bro. This is a, not a WNBA podcast. This is an <laughs> NBA podcast. <laughs> we'll we'll see in the playoffs who's really improved and who hasn't. Because I think the improvements that Joel has made to his game are going to actually have an effect in the postseason. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. And also, Julius Randles, though. I mean, if you don't think Julius Randles is going to win this shit, you're crazy. Yeah, he, he's winning. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I thought we were just we we're just monkeying around around here. Hey, man. I mean, I got to make it inter- interesting. What do you want me to do? Come out here and agree with you on every single person? We never agree. And Except for the all-star <laughs> picks. Somehow, <laughs> awards, we always get the same people. Well, right. I mean, good. I know we're not gonna agree on this one. Who is it? Six man. Oh, ooh, six man. Yeah, go ahead. All right, I'm gonna go three, two, one. All right. Yeah. My third spot is Jordan Clarkson. Okay. All right, leading the league in points per game coming off the bench. Yep. He's the classic six man uh, microwave. Yeah. Play no defense, don't pass the ball. All I do is shoot guy. And he's doing it pretty well, scoring 19 points a game coming off the bench. Yeah. So he definitely gets consideration for fitting the classic archetype of what a six-man looks like. And and he definitely fits that mold. Also, he broke the curse of uh, Dayton and Kardashian. He had a successful season after Dayton won, so there's that. Well, we'll see how they do in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number two. Yeah. My six man rankings. Yeah. Derek Rose. Okay. I like it. I like it. Keeping the theme strong. I made fun of him at the beginning of the year for trading for Derrick Rose in the middle of the season. I was like, what are you guys doing? You just want all your good rookies like quickly to play less. And it seemed like they knew what they were doing. Oh, yeah, it's it. No, <laughs> he said, I want Frank, uh, Frankie Nicotine to play less. That's who I want to play less. <laughs> oh, All Frenchmen, they can play way less. Oh, my goodness. They can play with themselves. Your point guard rotation sucks. <laughs> Derrick Rose is a sick man, but he's your best point guard. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, Emmanuel Quickly's all right. I wouldn't fake on the Quickster like that. Yeah, he's a rookie. We'll see. He's good. Yeah. Uh, one of the nastiest floaters in the league. It's all disgusting. Uh, it's up there with uh, Tony Parker. Rashawn Holmes. And also the guy from Australia, a little tiny dude. You know, the one that got cooked by Steph in the finals. Oh, no. The one who throws floaters that become alley-oop passes. <laughs> yeah. Halfway through the shot, it turned into an alley-oop. Yep. yep. I can't think of his name right now for some reason, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, you got the people's elbow. We're not going to mention it. <laughs> you shall not I be won't named. do it. I won't Al do Horford's it. best friend. Come on. <laughs> it's, it's not deli time. All right. But I am going to keep it with his Aussie brethren and go with oh. Jang with Joe Ingles. I knew you were going to do it. I knew you were going to do it. You picked hey, a man. white. You picked a white. 
Predictable. Predictable. Hey, Just first like of all, technically, he's from Australia. Australia's in Asia. I picked an Asian. Okay. <laughs> Outside the box this right? time. <laughs> he's the best Asian player in the history of the game. Better than Yao Ming. <laughs> yep. Wait, what about Kyrie? Hold up. He's Australian, technically. Oh, no, no, no. Kyrie, see, he would be Asian if the world connected in the globe. But oh. <laughs> you stretched it out. So, actually, nobody could be farther away from Asia than oh. Kyrie. Oh. Okay, okay. I see what you did there. I like it. I got you, buddy. But what I also like is players that contribute in a multitude, a multitude of ways to winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what Joe Ingles does. You saw what he did to Paul George two years ago in the playoffs. My God, he pulled his pants down in front of everybody. And he's been doing it off the bench the second units all season long. Yeah. He's a starter, son, honestly. He's he's good enough to be a starter. I, like, Fuck yeah. I don't want him to be on this Manu Ginobili type shit. Like, who starts over him? Is it that shooting guy? Is it the guy from uh, the small forward, the shooter, who can shoot threes? What's his name? Like, something – no, 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 not him. Well, he's pretty good, too. I can't, does he start over Ingles? Yeah. Is it Bogdanovich? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, was I can't remember the black – it's the black dude's name. I can't remember his name, though. The guy who can shoot threes pretty well. But I thought it was him. But Bogdanovich is good, too. So, I mean, it's like, what are you going to do? They, I mean, they have a lot of good shooters on their team, bro. Yeah. They're, they're just like, go bear in space. Let's do it. Pretty much. We'll see how it works in the playoffs in a f- famous Terry quote. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, we'll, see. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, man. It is what it is. All right. So that's your that's your guy, huh, Joe Ingles? That's my guy. Sixth yeah. man of the year. Okay. Joe Shrimp on the Barbie Ingles. All right. Mm-hmm. So for me, we're going to keep this. What should I go three, two, one? Nah. We covered all the people that are pretty much in, in it or whatever. I'm just going to tell you who the number one person is going to be. Okay. Holding my breath. Derrick Rose. Got to be. Derrick Rose. We're keeping this New York heavy, baby. Brooklyn. Fuck out of here. Manhattan in the house, baby. Let's go. It's got to be Derrick Rose, man. Got traded from one of the worst teams. Went to New York. New York was a nine seed at the time. We were okay. There's a little promise. But he actually helped us. He helped us a lot, man. And a career high from the three-point line for Derrick Rose. Do you know what it was? Was it over 40? 41%. Wow. Derrick Rose. If you were to ask anyone in 2013, no. Derrick Rose was going to shoot 40% from a three-point line ever in his career, everyone would have smacked the shit out of you because there's no way you're believing that. Derrick Rose, bro, 14.9 and four assists. I'll take it, bro. 40% of the three. And he moved the team from the bottom to the top. I got to go with D. Rose. I like the Joe Ingles pick, though. Usually, you can go with a winner. More importantly, he's not Frank Nilekina or Alfred Payton. <laughs> or <laughs> Dennis Smith. Everybody looked like a superstar. Or Dennis Smith Jr. Don't forget all the point guards we had on the team this year. Yeah, Dennis Smith is not on your team this year. That's how bad he was. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, D Rose, man, that's the easy one for me. You want to go ahead? And- we're gonna keep this on some New York Knicks home cooking. I knew, I knew it, I knew it, I knew it. I knew it was gonna be a steady diet of 
bagels and big ass pizza slices <laughs> these awards. and hot dogs don't forget with a bun mustard you, Steve, you the hot dog guy man you know i'm, I'm not out here checking for hot dogs and you not like trayvon that's like i can't eat uh phallic foods because that shit is gay He's so stupid. I just, I just don't like the idea of blending up all the worst parts of the animal and then putting it in a tube for me to eat. No, nah, it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. I ain't gonna fake, but it tastes good. I don't know what to tell you. Some good shit. Hey, you know what also tastes good, Terry? Rookie of the year, coach of the year, victory. And mm-hmm. when you start to pile them up, that's when you usually win coach of the year. Let's go. I like that transition. Thank you, buddy. Why don't you give me three, two, one? On your coaches this year? Oh, this is simple, son. So three for me is going to be Quinn Snyder. I already know where this is going. (laughs) You cannot. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) No, I'm just messing with you. See, see, when you make your food at home, you don't even need hot sauce, guys. You already seasoned it perfect. (laughs) I'm just messing with you, man. I'm just messing with you. It's not Quinn Snyder. I'm going to be for real. I'm going to be for real. Number three for me is actually going to be someone eh, – you may think about it because you're an avid basketball fan. You're not a casual. Steve Nash of the Brooklyn Nets. I'm going with but, Ky- but wait, wait. But Kyrie said they didn't have just one coach. And this is the exact reason why <laughs> Steve Nash is the third pick for me for Coach of the Year. I really contemplated, like, giving him the award, but there was two other people in the Western Conference that we know, you know, that I'll explain later about. Steve Nash, not only did he have one of the most dysfunctional teams, dysfunctional top three players ever, they only played eight games together, really, in total. The big three that everyone loves barely played together all season, but yet somehow they were number one all season and just faltered at the end because KD and Harden are hurt. Kyrie can't carry a team, you know? Like, come on, let's not be, let's not be silly here and just act like this guy can carry a team. That's not true at all. Right, you the need fact, Deion Waiters to come in and carry it for you. Yeah, true. <laughs> Honestly, the fact that, like, I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge retired. Like, they thought they had him. He retired in the middle of the season. Didn't uh, Spencer Dinwiddie was supposed to play on the team, right? And he got hurt, right? Got hurt. Yep. I mean, LaVert got traded away, big key. Jared Allen got traded away. He was a big key. I mean, dude had a makeshift team, and they came in second in the Eastern Conference, bro. And almost damn near came in first. I'm proud of Nash after this season. That's my number three. Terry, I think that's an inspired pick. I don't know if he's going to get a lot of votes for Coach (laughs) Beater, but I think he surely deserves it. Uh, I I think that's a really interesting pick. And and to your point, he was a dude who was, like, shuffling lineups all year, dealing with the biggest egos of any team in the league with all the former All-Stars that they had. And, you know, trying to meld guys like Blake Griffin – who three seasons ago was like a top five MVP candidate. Yeah. He used to bring the ball up the court himself and everything. And, uh, you know, being the head of the snake to being a guy who's like, you're a role player who does these few things in yeah. 14 minutes a night. Yeah. It was, it was just so many changing things throughout the season. Like, you got to give him some credit, you know. Absolutely. And being a rookie coach, too, doing all that. Yeah. No, nah, he, he did a great job. He, he Very did. impressive. Yeah. All right, second for me. And also, honorable mention, I'm not going to – you know what? Nah, I'll just go second and see if you get surprised with it. Wait a minute. Hold on, hold on. Before we go to number two, yeah. I want to add one more thing about Steve Nash. Yeah. When he was hired, 
there was a lot of this is just white privilege, and mm -hmm. Steve Nash has no business being the coach of the Brooklyn Nets. Talking, yeah, and there are a lot of people who are talking about this. And mm -hmm. I think that this uh, credit to Steve for proving them wrong and for believing in himself. And he addressed that in the opening pressers saying, like, I've been a recipient and a beneficiary of white privilege my whole life. Yeah. In this instance, I think I earned it. I don't think I was. And I think he proved that throughout the season that he is the right man. No, he did. And I'm actually like – I'm excited to see him coach like a regular team. I mean, this team's a super team, you know, like it is what it is. Those three guys are they They may win. If they're healthy, they're probably going to win. So it's not, it, it is what it is. But uh, the real test was see, put Steve Nash on the Kings and see if they can make a play in game. <laughs> now that was white. That was white privilege. Bill Walton. I mean, uh, Luke Walton got that job in Sacramento after like 10 seconds. Yeah. That was the white privilege. That shit. I'm sitting here like, come on, bro. He couldn't win with LeBron. Stop it. Well, they won. And Julius Randle and uh, all-star Brandon Ingram. Yep, yep. Hey, man, it is what it is. That's my favorite hey, thing. Bro, also, shout out to Josh Hart, who I almost put in um, uh, my sixth man of the year. Man. But just missed the cut. Although I really wanted to put him over Jordan Clarkson. I thought it would just be ridiculous to leave out the two who's like almost scored twenty a game off the bench. You can't, you can't, because they didn't make the playoffs too. So it's, they didn't make a ten-team playoff format, bro. You can't. I, I can't. Do, but you know? any shooting guard that gets nine boards off the bench has got a soft spot in my heart. <laughs> yeah, that's that's crazy shit. All right, so number two for me is going to be Quinn Snyder from the Utah Jazz. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to – I'm not trashing anyone. I'm not going to trash anyone. But here's the thing. You have Donovan Mitchell, a good all-star. Rudy Gobert is a solid player, great defender, and an all-star. Donovan Mitchell wasn't playing at, like, an MVP level this season. It was more of, like, a team, honestly. Their defense was great. They have the same exact team as last year. And, honestly, the team doesn't, is not that much different from the years before since he's been coaching the Jazz since 2014. It was a team format, bro. You had no, like, super-duper star on your team. No first team. Maybe you got a second-team player, maybe a third. But, like, it was a team effort for me, man. Your best player is not a scorer, so it's a different type of thing. Well, I guess you could say Donald Mitchell is. But he, he was hurt 20 games in the season, and they still were able to keep that first-place thing in the West, bro. In the West. I know there were injuries in the West. I know there was. But at the end of the day – we're going to look at the records, see who came in first in the, uh, in the regular season. I think Coach Snyder, he did a really good job this year with, with the talent that he has. They're okay, but they're not great dudes. I agree with you, man, uh, you know, about getting the most juice out of your lemon. He's been a fantastic coach for years now. He's been an underappreciated one because mm -hmm. Utah doesn't get a lot of viewership, nor do they have the star players. I mean, in the words of LeBron James picking the all-star teams, I mean, come on, we're not going to pick any of those Utah guys. <laughs> he's like, we didn't play with the Jazz in 2K or NBA Live. Yeah, he's like, nobody played with them. <laughs> we still won't, which yeah. is fair enough. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've had 2K21. I don't think I've played with the Jazz. No. I've drafted, I've drafted Rudy Gobert in a fantasy draft, but I, I didn't like it. <laughs> I traded him. You could have waited 10 rounds and got bowl bowl. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
But yeah, man, he 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 definitely did a great job this year. Now I commend him for everything he did. Honestly, I'm a big Quinn guy. Uh, he's on my ballot as well, so I'll take this opportunity to talk about him. Um, he was an assistant coach for Budenholzer uh, in those great Hawks years. A lot of people thought that he was the driving force behind our 60-win team and not Coach Bud. Mm-hmm. Just tremendous respect around the league. He was one of the first people who were on to, well, if I don't have as much talent, what I'm not going to do is give up shots at the rim and corner threes. And he was yeah, like, man. you're just going to have to shoot all mid-rangers and above-the-break threes off the dribble. Yeah. And so I, I respect him tremendously as a basketball mind. Last year, I felt like things were going to come together for them more. I thought they were a legit contender last year, and Mike Conley had an awful season. And yeah. the pandemic happened, and then Bogdanovich decided not to participate in the bubble. Yeah. Uh, and so the whole wheels fell off. But this year, everything worked like it was supposed to. And uh, I have to give tremendous credit to Quinn Snyder for thinking the whole thing up and, uh, you know, putting his best players in a position to win and putting other players in a position to sacrifice um, and do it well. Um, You know, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson, Joe Ingles, you know, these are guys that were starting in the playoffs two seasons ago when they were getting swept by Houston. Yeah. No, true that, man. Really, really true that, though. It's It's a good team. All right, man. You ready for number one? Mm-hmm. And I know I'm going to keep the theme strong, and you might not like it. But, nah, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Monty Williams, bro. I knew you were going to. I knew you had too much sense in your yeah, damn yeah. head. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm, going, I'm going with Monty. As, as much as I wanted to go with, with Tibbs, I, I, can't, uh, I can't give him that. He was honorable mention, fourth place for me. Fourth place, you know I gotta be. I have a gotta have some objectivity. I can't be a total piece of crap. You know what I'm saying? So Monty Williams, the Suns pretty much have the same exact team, and what's the only difference? CP3, CP3, and that's it, right? You add the general. I like it. That's cool. But just because Chris Paul is there, that doesn't mean that the whole team is going to change. You still have to have an infrastructure around you as far as the fundamentals of defense and playing decent offense. All the players improved. Devin Booker, although his numbers weren't, like, way better than, like, the years before, he was able to take a back seat. CP3 played with Monty Williams in the past, so I already knew that they were going to have, like, a good relationship because they had a good team together. Nobody saw, except for you, you said Phoenix in two, but I ran the tape back and didn't see it. I'm going to have to keep looking at the tape. I didn't see it. Run it back, bro. I tell you, I didn't put Portland in two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, it's – he just did a phenomenal job, man, because, like, the Suns, honestly, if you look at their team, as far as, like, the bench is concerned, it's not a lot of guys I want to take to war with me, bro, if I'm being completely honest with you, bro. You might like the squad, but I, I'm not rocking with that squad like that. Utah has been a proven playoff team. Phoenix hadn't made the playoffs, I think, since before the Knicks were. They had the longest drought, I believe. So for him to drag them out of the out of the woodworks and get him to number two, all credit to Monty. The Kings still haven't made the playoffs in. Oh, was it the Kings since Chris oh, Webber? God, how long is it this since the Kings have made the playoffs? And C Web, it's got to be right. Yeah, it's gotta be. That's Man, a long time. 
I agree with you, Terry. Monty Williams is my pick as well for coach of the year. Really? Okay. I didn't yeah. know. Yep. Um, so I guess I'll start with my one and then do two and three. Okay, right. Monty, to me, the reason I gave him coach of the year is I didn't know if he was going to get fired this year. Like, <laughs> I, I legitimately had questions on whether Monty Williams could coach in the modern NBA or yeah. whether he was like an old head that the, his style of basketball has uh, – the league has passed it by. And uh, he answered all those questions. He answered the number one thing, which always in the NBA, managing egos. Yep. And uh, he's got their rotations tight. They're a professional team. They're a team that plays in a way that's going to translate to the playoffs, being successful in the half court, playing a slower pace. I don't like their chances. Throughout. You don't like their roster. That's what you don't like. That's what you I don't, don't like. I do not, dude. I just I don't. I like their coaching. I like how they're implemented. And, of course, it all helps when you have the ultimate coach's extension, Chris Paul, out there on the court for you. Uh, that, that helps a lot. That helps a lot. But you are right, though, because, like, if he – if they would have started off bad, he probably would have gotten fired, honestly. He honestly probably would have. It was a possibility. Like, you know, you start in your first 10 games, 15 games, sub 500. Mm-hmm. Hey, man, I, they, yeah. they, got, they got a good team. They do. They, team. they do. Hey, look, great job, Monty, but you guys are going to get knocked out in the first round by the Lakers, so I apologize. You know, it, it is what it is. It's not a great matchup for you guys. Hey, man, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's so, <laughs> a classic. You want right. to my number two coach, or my coach who finishes number two uh, in coach of the year. And keep in mind, Terry, this is not what's going to happen. This is just what I think is is righteous. This is who I would vote for and what okay. I think is fair. Okay? Okay. If we're going to allow you a little bit of home cooking in these awards, I don't see why we can't allow a little bit of home cooking for me as well, which is why I'm – putting Nate McMillan at my number two slot for coach of the year, despite only coaching half of the season for the Atlanta Hawks. That's not going to happen, but I like it, though. He, if, if, if it was allowed for you not to coach an entire season, he would actually be up there, man, because y'all's record with him is really good. Is it not first or second or third or like it's it's probably our, up. our winning percentage is second in the NBA since okay. it took yeah. over. Uh, he's the reigning NBA coach of the month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the longest winning streak in the NBA this year with nine games. Okay, tied by the Knicks. Well, tied by the Knicks, but most importantly, Terry, when Lloyd Pierce is fired. The Hawks were sitting in 11th place in the Eastern Conference. A half a season later, under a coaching change, we're tied for the fourth best record in the East. Yeah, nah, he, he did a really great job. Unfortunately, he probably won't get any votes, but uh, he, he did a fantastic job, man. It just sucks that it's the Hawks and nobody cares, but like at the end of the day, he coached his ass off. He really did. I mean, the turnaround, the turnaround is Night and day, son. Night and day, bro. Get Cuddy type shit. Day and night. The yeah. offensive diversity is just like 
under Lloyd Pierce, we're just running these fucking double pick and rolls where one person, excuse me, one person dies to the rim, the other person pops. Mm-hmm. That was our whole offense. We just ran that every single set. And so it was like the old Rockets showing. Mm-hmm. Everyone just stand around. One four flat. One four flat. Exactly. And, like, the whole team wasn't energized. It was like, Trey Young, you either take us to the promised land or we'll just lose all of our games if you don't play great. And uh, it it feels great to have a real coach come in and, like, put in offensive sets and, you know, get people to buy in and play hard and play defense and uh, not jack up 40-footers four seconds into the shot clock. <laughs> Yeah, man. Hey, look, it, it, I commend you. It's a, good, it's a great pick. It's a good job. You're a great homer. I love it. Me hey, and you. I, t- I tell you what, Terry, if you like this one, then you're going to love the next one. All right. Third. If you said nobody cares about the Hawks this year, I promise you people care less about the Rockets. <laughs> now, that's who I'm voting for my coach of the year. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, guys, that the team with the worst record gets coach of the year. But Steven Silas deserves Coach of the Year just for what he had to deal with with James Harden at the beginning of the season. This man signed up to go to a team that was contending for an NBA championship, turned down so many offers over the last couple of years to find the right situation. Oh, my God. Comes into Houston. He gets bolstered by terrific signing of Christian Wood. Giving James Harden, giving James Harden his ultimate pick and roll partner, <laughs> and then what happens? Mutiny. <laughs> the Rockets could have been called the, uh, the whatever, some famous ass boat, the Pharaohs or some, because they all mutinied on their captain and left Stephen Silas out at sea, walking the plank, playing. Kenyon Martin Jr. and uh, a bunch of other people that you never heard of before the season started. And somehow, John Wall, Steven Silas, Christian Wood, Kenyon Martin Tate, or Kenyon Martin Jr., Jay Sean Tate, and company dragged these guys uh, to winning 20 some games. It was, it was unbelievable. He shouldn't, they shouldn't have won any games this Stop. year. Stop. Steve, I'm Stop. so. I am so freaking proud. Stop. It's over. It's over. Just stop it. Should we even continue to talk basketball? Because this is just buffoonery. You're just clowning on the game. You're clowning on the NBA. I'm sick of this shit. Stop it. This is not – nobody's going to – are you Are you crazy? Bro. Bro. What the man had to go through in a COVID year? In Bro. a pandemic, Terry? In Steve a pandemic? Nash. Steve Nash went through more than him. That's not even close. Not he even. Wide. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you lost it. You lost it. It's over. But yeah, man, I like I like your first and second pick. Your Houston pick. You went way. Oh my. Yeah, you're just you. You lost your mind. You are you going to therapy? Are you just happy? Uh, I think you're just mad that I didn't include Tom Thibodeau before <laughs> Steven Silas. I think not, you were hoping not, that Tibbs would get a mention in there somewhere. I'm not mad about that. I'm just mad that you just wasted like two minutes talking about that shit. No, I just it, what happened to him isn't right. <laughs> he no, no, needs no. This type of recognition. You know what? Hey, look. You know what, y'all? Garrett is just too smart for us. He's over our head. We're not in the same league as him. We're in the NBA, and he's in like he's way. Know where you are, man. You're you're in the stratosphere, bro. You playing Space Jam, son. Bro, 
I'm, I'm standing on top of the Sydney Opera House, and you guys are completely on the other side of the world in Tokyo. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're an idiot. Geography. <laughs> Put a geography joke that only maybe me and like three people will know. We're done. Whatever. We're done. We're done. Joe Ingles and Jeremy Lin got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. So that's that's your that's your awards. I think that's it, right? Uh, oh, last one, rookie. The last bro. one, the last one. All right, rookie of the year on three. One, two, three. Lamelo Edwards. What? You can't be serious. He missed like twenty. How many games did he miss? Twenty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the other guy was like. It would have been better if they were playing four on five than having him out there. Come on, bro. Stop it. He was getting, like, what? I didn't even look up his stats. What was he getting, 18? 18 a game? It's not about the counting numbers, bro. Look at the efficiency stuff. It was ugly, man. Who cares? He was balling, bro. Nah. the same type of people. Shout out to Cam Boyvin, who would be out here talking about Cole Anthony is having a great season. He had okay 14 season. points a game on 38% from the field. No, no, no. I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. LaMelo Ball is definitely the rookie of the year, man. Anthony yeah. Edwards is trash. Anthony Edwards, he came on second half of the year, last month and a half, two months. Started, excuse me, playing something that approached NBA basketball and not pick up bullshit. But at the end of the day, he's still a very talented kid who doesn't know how to play basketball in a team concept right now. No, nah, I he, if there are I was people like Lamelo, who's like comes in and instantly makes a play-in team work, yeah, you know what I mean, nah, he he definitely he Lamelo elevated his teammates. I don't think Anthony Edwards like does anything for his team. Like he doesn't do anything for his team besides scoring. That's about it. I didn't see anything on the defensive end. I know he's was, awful. God yeah. damn, he's awful on the defensive end. All I saw he, was dunks. It's, it's all fat, splash plays. Like if you just see his highlights, yeah. you'd be like, God damn, this is the next Michael Jordan. He like, reminds me. He reminded me of like Malik Monk. Like he he reminds me of like a hot Malik Monk. That's it. Like if Malik Monk's on fire, that's what Anthony Edwards reminds me of. That's about it. Like all I see for Anthony Edwards, hey, six man, turbocharge him and put him in Moutier's body. Moutier. Hey man. It's... All right. So, and then there are people like uh, Tyrese Halliburton who actually did make their team better. He, yeah. He had a great season. If you want to mention rookies, he had a great season. James Wiseman, trash as fuck. Awful. Horrible. Absolutely awful. Team got better without him. Ten times better. That was the only reason they're in a position to be in a playing game is because Wiseman got hurt and then fell out of the rotation. <laughs> Yeah, if they would have kept Wiseman playing, I mean, damn, the, the Warriors would have been my second worst team, and my prediction would have been right. Damn, imagine what would have happened if they had just took Lamella Ball. <sighs> Dude, it was so dumb. Like, you know I was clamoring for it, bro. Both like, of us said we, he needs the structure. Put him in that yeah. championship uh, environment. But didn't he show you something? I believed in him. You didn't believe in him like that. I didn't think he had this type of discipline. To I knew he was going to be a star. To go to a somewhat shitty team and not take a whole bunch of bad shots. He just I thought he was going to do the Anthony Edwards and be like, what am I going to do, pass it to Tyler's or Cody Zeller? <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it, one thing I will say, for, for all of us to give Anthony Edwards the treatment of like, oh, you don't like basketball, so you're going to be garbage. 
you you took this season pretty serious, man. I didn't see any evidence of you not trying or anything. You you, you played your ass off. You're not going to watch him play defense. He does. He can't play defense. Did you watch him play defense at Georgia? He's not good at defense. I feel like people don't pay attention to the other side of the court. They're just like, oh, this dude gets 20 a game? Yeah, we'll take him. Like, he did it at Georgia. He played no defense. Wait a minute. They put that, it's in his weaknesses. Oh, NBA draft night. Defense. If you're a 19-year-old trying to earn your spot in the league, defensive effort should not be one of your weak spots in your game. Okay? But, listen, I'm not going to get on my old man's soapbox. All right? That's for Tom Thibodeau to do hey. in his series against the Atlanta Hawks. Chip on the shoulder, bro. LaMelo missed 20 games and you're not going to win rookie of the year. Chip on the shoulder. Watch out for Anthony Edwards, I'm telling you. Let's go. I hope so. I hope he turns into a, a, into the type of player that his talent indicates that he should be. But I think we both know that, that it's much more likely uh, that it'll continue in the lineage of having dudes – like Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, who are all uber-talented offensive players but don't have an ounce of fucking dog in them. Yeah, <laughs> and, when, and when they get punched in the mouth, they complain to the ref. Uh, who's going to have a better career, him or J.R. Smith? Who? Anthony mm-hmm. Edwards? Yeah. Anthony Edwards? Okay. We'll see what he can do. Monte Ellis? Uh, Anthony Edwards. Mm, oh, Jamal Crawford. Anthony Edwards. Okay. So you, you're a little more high on him. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully yeah. he can get, like, I, he looks like he could probably get, like, 24 a game, you know, consistently. We'll see. I don't care about that shit. Can you play on the court in the finals? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to know. All I right? think he can. I think he can. But LaMelo's going to win, and he's going to be the better player over their career. No. Yeah. He still has a lot of the game to learn. You know what I'm saying? This ain't football, young man. <laughs> but but the New York Knicks wouldn't know that, judging from how they played defense during this regular season. Terrifically. Yep. They come into the matchup with the Atlanta Hawks having the second-best defense in the league, according All to right, the man. numbers. Let's do this. Don't be a bitch. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. It's my team, the New York Knicks. And your team, the Atlanta Hawks. We're true fans of teams in the NBA. We ain't bandwagoners, bro. We don't hop around. Yeah, I like LeBron James, but I'm not a Lakers fan. Never have been. Love Kobe, too. Don't like the Lakers. I'm a Knicks fan, true and true. So who you got, son? True and true. Through all the ups and the downs. From Smitty, Steve Smith, to Mookie Blaylock, (laughs) to Joe Johnson and them being decent, to to Marvin Williams being garbage. I mean – You've been through it. You've been through it, man. You've been through it too, bro. The last time you've been this happy was when we gave you Mike Woodson and you had uh, that big white guy splashing threes. Steve Novak. Steve Novak. There we go. Steve (laughs) Novak, baby. It was a decent team, but that that will tell you about the times of the NBA. LeBron sucked all the life out of the NBA when he took all the talent and put it on one team. Mm -hmm. He destroyed two teams by doing that. Well, uh, I don't know if you could blame LeBron for the Knicks sucking for 15 years, bro. <laughs> I only blame one man, LeBron James. Right. I thought you were going to say Isaiah Thomas. Oh, God. Yeah, we could blame him for drafting Eddie Curry. I'll tell you that. He didn't draft so bad, but he traded all his goddamn picks every year. It was like, what are you doing, bro? Sending out all these future picks. But that's, that's besides the point. We're yeah. not here to talk about Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> we're here to talk about Tom Thibodeau. 
The Mimic's master. Hey man, what 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 what's your actual prediction, bro? What is My your prediction? actual prediction is that Julius Randle's kneecap or kneecap falls off during the game like a hubcap during the overuse. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. <laughs> so, leading the league this season in minutes is Julius Randle. Mm-hmm. Number two in the league in minutes is R.J. Barrett. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, automat already doing his tip shit, running people into the freaking ground. Your two best players. Are they going to have enough uh, uh, left in them to go up against a young, hungry, energetic Hawk squad that's been doing nothing but wrestling and rehabbing all year? Barely been on the court together. So, apparently, your starting five is going to be five guys that have only played how many minutes together? 16. 16 minutes. And that's what you're going to send out versus us? That's who you're going to send out versus the team that beat you three times in the regular season? That's the team that we scored 141 points on you in the first game, 117 points on you in the second game, and a whopping 113 in the third game. Yeah, did it, did that lineup play one minute any of those games, Terry? Don't know. First game, no, Trey Young That's why we're going to play it. The first game, Trey Young got hurt, so we can put that as a wash. And it somehow it still went to overtime. No big deal. We'll talk about that. Won't talk about that at all. But here's the that thing. That was pre-Derrick Rose. Here's the thing. Since you're scared to give me a prediction, I'm going to go ahead and say, well, the bet the bet between me and you is whoever wins the series, the person has to wear that other person's gear on the next pod. And not, no, not only that, you got to buy it and wear it. I'm not buying you a hog joint. you got to buy it for yourself. And you can't return it. you got to put it in your background. Yeah. Forever. Forever. It's in the background. I like that. I'm going to put mine right here. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm going to cover up. Uh, who am I going to cover up in this joint behind me? Can't I'm cover, cover up. I'm going to cover up uh, Wilt or uh, – <laughs> let me see. Is Wilt Josh Halachek floating around back there? Oh, yeah. I was about to say, he better not be on that damn shit. <laughs> but, hey, look, look. So uh, – Here's my prediction. You were scared to give me one. Wait, wait, wait. We're not doing predictions out the top. You got to do the predictions at the end, bro. Out after you build the case the whole time. What's the case that you are going to beat this team? Case. Wait a minute. There's way that – let's not stop, start at the ending, right? Let's start at the beginning, okay? Go ahead. The Hawks and the, and the Knicks finished with the exact same record this year, mm-hmm. right? We all know in the NBA – Record isn't the beginning and the end of the story. There's a lot more deeper dive that you need to do. If they just did by record, then the top eight teams would be the best eight teams every year in the playoffs. Yeah. But it's not. Usually the best indicator come playoff time of a team strength is your um, points per 100 possessions, whether you're positive or minus. Okay. You may remember, uh, like, the Warriors – um, all the great teams, they had, like, uh, not plus nine points per possession. Uh-huh. Which means they went on an average about nine points a game, right? Yeah. The Hawks – or the Knicks this year finished plus 2.4 per 100 possessions. The Hawks finished plus 2.2 per 100 possessions. Mm-hmm. The two closest teams in the entire NBA. 
So not only does the record tell us that they're dead even, the advanced numbers tell us they're dead even, even though they're two very different style teams. Mm -hmm. I think this is the most compelling matchup of any series in the first round, regardless of my home fandom. <laughs> I think this is the one to watch, man, and it's evidenced by them bumping us to the prime TV slots. Yeah. Right. For the first time in a decade, the Hawks aren't on NBA TV. <laughs> that is true, man. We got TNT, TNT, ESPN, and ABC, man. And you know why they have a 2B, a TBA, to be announced? In case we don't sweep y'all. In case, oh, do you guys love getting swept in the playoffs for no reason? That's your favorite thing to do, bro. Don't even talk about that. Even when we had a horrible team, we never got swept. <laughs> you never, never got LeBron. Huh? You never made it far enough to play LeBron. Oh, shit. All right. Cool. The 61-win team got swept. How do you feel about that? Yeah, we had to beat the Wizards and the Celtics first. Or the Wizards and the Nets. It felt great. We won two <laughs> playoff series. Cool, the man. last time you guys won two playoff series in one, in one year. In the 90s? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> we made it to the finals. Eat it. Eat it. As an eighth seed, too. Very impressive feat. Lockout year. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Is that all? That's all your case? That's all you got? No, dude. I'm not making my case. I just got talking points. All right? Oh, okay. All right. Let, let's make the case later is what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, other, other talking points out here. Um, the three-point defense. We already talked about the Knicks had the number two best defense in the league, according to the advanced stats. Mm -hmm. They're number one in the league in defending the three-point line. The Hawks are number three in the league in defending the three-point line. Oh. Both Good teams stock with shooters. Yeah, sort of. Sort of. I mean, look at the Knicks. You guys are up and down your roster. You guys had, like, a ton of people shoot over 40% this year. But D. Rose was an anomaly. We can all say that. He's an anomaly, but other guys like Reggie Bullock, you already you always knew he could shoot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Alec Burks. Alec Burks can shoot his ass off. We know that. RJ uh, Barrett shot a career high. He shot it was like everyone on your whole team shot a career high. Randall cool. shot forty one. Thanks to Julius Randall, like he he just did a good job of getting people open. He dominated the game, then he forced doubles, and everybody just had a chance at open threes. Like, you, you got to give him a lot of credit, man. I mean, the, the main reason why you guys are on prime time is not because you guys are good. It's because you're playing the New York Knicks. Yeah. That's and why you're on said time. as much to the media and got fined $25,000 for it yesterday. <laughs> hey, he keeps it real, man. I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. And, and, and. We have an MVP candidate on the team. Let's not forget that. And a Coach of the Year candidate. Let's not forget that. And a Sixth Man of the Year candidate. Let's not forget that. Right? All right. I'm not forgetting it at all. I'm not forgetting it. There's no doubt the NBA and the viewing public in general wants the Knicks to win against the Hawks. They very much want for you all to advance and for no one to hear from DeAndre Hunter ever again. <laughs> that's not what's gonna happen, bro. Nah, that's that's not true, man. Trey Young is probably the most exciting player in this whole matchup. Trey Young is the most exciting player. He's top five exciting player in the league. You think? Yeah. He's a he's a 
Just in oh, terms right. of excitement, yeah. Yeah. I honestly cannot wait to see him play, like, in a playoff game. I really want to see how he plays, like, with the lights on, right. like, bright. You know? I do. I do, absolutely. Um, in the Mecca, son. Because, as you know, everything is different once those bright lights come on. And physicality gets ratcheted up a notch. Defense gets ratcheted up a notch. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing a half-court style becomes a lot more important. Yeah. These are all things that the Knicks have done well all season. Playing with physicality. They play at the slowest pace in the league, 30 out of 30. It's a Tibbs, it's a Tibbs thing, man. It's, this team has Tibbs, like, tattooed on the logo. Like, this is a Tom Thibodeau team right here, bro. <laughs> I mean, he, he, he has successful teams besides, you know, Minnesota. They're horrible. And, no, it's just Minnesota he was bad. I, I don't remember where else he was bad. That he wasn't bad anywhere else. Yeah. He changed how the NBA guarded everyone when he was uh, coaching for the Celtics. Yeah. And with the Bulls, they pushed uh, uh, LeBron and them with fucking Rajon Rondo and a bunch of scrubs. And then, you know, he goes out and then he gets tissue-plied Carl uh, Anthony Towns yeah. and, and Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> and I think – did Jeff Teague, who was like, I was an all-star last season. Why aren't I getting more respect from the coach? I'm an all-star. Did he – did Thibodeau take the Timberwolves to the playoffs? Was he the yeah. coach from there to AC? Yeah. Jesus Christ. And they should have won. If Carl Anthony Towns could have posted up a freaking point guard, they could have went – to the second round, but so even so, we consider that like a massive disappointment. But if you look back, it's like shit. No one's else has come close to doing that well with this roster. Yeah, no, straight up. And they even have not a better roster per se, but they have decent talent like this year on their team. And they yeah. were whole, like just completely horrid. So that, that brought me to I think my biggest fear in this matchup between us, Terry, yeah. is my fear of getting out coached. Okay. Tom Thibodeau, we just went through his resume. He's likely going to finish as the top three coach of the year candidate this year, I would imagine. Um, he should. He should. Nate McMillan, although I voted him in my top three for coach of the year, is 1-11 in his last 12 playoff games. Jesus Christ. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Because he was the Pacers. He was, wasn't he the Pacers coach? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Damn. That's right, man. Well – it's not his fault. He ran into LeBron. <laughs> he ran into LeBron. What do you like? What are you gonna do? Yeah. LeBron is a monster, didn't it? But they took them to seven, though, didn't they? Yeah, he took them to seven in his first joint. I think when the Roy Hibbert show was still in, for, in, in full effect. Was he? He was but, the coach. But the recently, think about the, the the recent joints were like the Twin Towers, Sabonis, Turner teams without Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, and Oladipo getting yeah. hurt. That was tough. I mean, but, like, if you – come on. LeBron, people want to say that that wasn't, like, the best playoff uh, – what do you say, like, sequence that they've seen from LeBron. But from my memory, besides them going to the finals when he was young as shit, that was – that was really impressive, bro. To drag that team to the finals – I mean, I know the East is weak, but that team, that roster he had was garbage. It was He stepped up in a big way. You must not know about playoff P. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. All right. 
So that that's one thing that makes me really nervous. And also his career record in um like series is really bad. I I forgot exactly what it is, but he's not what you'd call like a playoff coach. Not great at making adjustments. Yeah, that 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 could scare you when it comes to this cuz I mean Thibodeau is like I wouldn't say like he's like a huge adjustment type guy, but he is just a great coach at like kind of analyzing what he needs to change just for like short sequences in the game. And those bursts and runs that he can get, they can win the game pretty easily. Yeah, you know? absolutely. He's not going to sleep like until you nah. guys get knocked out of the playoffs. He's nah. going to have five-hour energy running through his veins. Yeah. Hey, look, man, the, the Knicks are a tough team, bro. I, I I don't see y'all winning, bro. You just don't – it's not a great matchup for y'all, to be honest with you. You guys well, can the, put up points. The other thing that makes me concerned is you guys have the best player too, which is Julius Randle. And the yeah. thing that makes me doubly concerned is, do you know who uh, who Julius Randle scored more points on than any player who guarded him in the NBA last season? Was it John Collins? It Next was season. indeed. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> he Next put season. up 92 points on John Collins' head. Jesus Christ. In you, three games. Do you know what his average was this year? He was 37 against the Hawks. But yeah. but that was just against John Collins, bro, on pos- possessions that he was defended by John Collins. <laughs> now, here's the flip side that makes it so interesting to me. 37 and 12, bro. Do you know who Trey Young had his best matchup against? Who? Quickly? Alfred Payton. Oh, damn, son. Do you know who Trey Young had his second best matchup against? Nikola Kina? Derrick Rose. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, this, okay. Is, this is strength on weakness, strength on weakness. On well, both sides, we can't defend your best player. Here's the thing, though. I think we might see some switching up as far as, like, I think Tibbs is going to utilize, like, Nicolakina's six fouls mm-hmm. and quickly. You're going to see some Frankie Nicotine in this series. Yeah, like, he, he's a, he might not be a great basketball player, but he's a really good defender, though. He's a good defender. Yep. He, he may be a little too tall and not quick enough to guard Trey Young, but I could see him giving some problems. He, I, I looked up the individual numbers. He did a great job on Trey. He held him to like 0.8 points for possession this season. So, I mean, like, you might he see did a some. Really good job. You might see some offense for defense substitutions at the end of the game, you know. So, we shall see. But, Jesus Christ, if he's on the floor when we got the ball, four on five. Four on five. Unless he makes a cut. He's pretty smart, but he's not great. But I yeah. like him. But we're, See, the thing is also, he's never played in the playoffs. Like, if you no. think people aren't guarding you in the regular season, come playoffs, like, we're straight up not even going to look at you. Like, Andy. we're really going to actually play four on five basketball. Oh, we're on some Andrew. Get Ten points in a row. Andrew Roberson type stuff. We're on some yeah. Andrew Roberson stuff. Yeah, for yeah. real. I was – yeah, I don't know, man. It's – it's just the, the Julius Randle thing concerns it for me as far as, like, you know, in y'all's perspective, just having the fact that no, I don't think anyone on your team can guard him, really. He's too big for your small forwards. Okay. John Collins just can't guard oh, here him. Here we go. So this is – I'm glad you brought that up. Right. Because who was the crucial player we missed this whole time? DeAndre uh-huh. Hunter. Yeah, okay. DeAndre he's Hunter. Big. He's too big for him, bro. No, he's not. DeAndre uh-huh. Hunter's – DeAndre Hunter's defend LeBron credibly, defended all types of dudes. Uh, Jimmy Butler, not worried about that. 
he he absolutely can can hang with with Julius uh, Randall. The problem is Cam Reddish would be our secondary defending on him, and Cam Reddish is out for the season. And beyond DeAndre Hunter, I think probably our second best solution is Tony Snell. Hmm. That's not great. <laughs> w baby, I'm telling you. Hey, what I don't want to see is Danilo Gallinari trying to chase Julius Randall's ass around out there. Yeah, see, that's, that's what the I thing. don't want to see. That's the thing though. Like Randall, he posts up small people and he takes slower guys to the rim. It's like it's not too many people that it's so weird that he finally like put it together now, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. Why, why weren't you playing like this before? I don't get it. I think Onyeka Okongwu is going to be crucial and is going to be like an X factor for the Hawks because the front court depth for both teams to me is a major question mark. Behind yeah, Capella, yeah. it's only Okongwu at the five spot. Yeah. Um, Behind Collins. We, yeah. We've already mentioned that neither Collins or Gallinari has any hope or prayer of guarding Julius Randle. Yeah. On the other side, though, for the Knicks – you guys got Nerlens Noel and then Taj Gibson behind him. And yeah. what else is there at the big positions? Well, that's the big thing. Mitchell Robinson. Who is out? The, the best player. But um, but he's hurt. He's out for the giant. He's not out for the whole thing. It's still – he's out for game one, like for now. But it's still to be determined if he'll come back. So, uh, I mean, even if he does, like, 70% him is still decent. Like, he's still a, a good rim protector for the team, like a body. But but that's the other thing, though. It's not just about protecting the rim. Like, Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, both block chasers. Yeah. Like, they love getting up those there for those blocks. The problem is um, – where did I write this down? Wow. The uh, New York was 17th in defensive rebounding rate and 19th in half-court rebounding rate when you're playing defense already in half-court defense. So a below-average rebounding team. Yeah. Atlanta had the seventh-best offensive rebounding percentage in non-garbage time, and we had the uh, third-most second-chance points per game. Mm -hmm. John Collins and Clint Capella are two premier offensive rebounders. Okay. I mean, hey, look. I think that could be a, a crucial thing as well. If you guys play with a stretch four, yeah. we're going to have to do the old school way and beat you guys up on the boards. Hey, man, good luck. We'll see how it goes. We will see how it goes, man. So, did I just stop with all the other statistics? Are you just going to say we'll just see to everything? <laughs> we were going back and forth. I mean, you're giving me the stats, but I'm just letting you know what has happened, what I've seen for the season, and what – your foreseeable future is, bro. Okay. All right. How about what we see for the foreseeable future? Who's going to be the second banana for the Knicks? Because, you know, in the playoffs, you try to make teams be uncomfortable, and you're not going to do what you want to do, your primary thing. You're not going to do that all series. Mm -hmm. So we're going to – eventually we're going to figure this Julius Randle shit out. And who's going to step up for the Knicks? You're not going to figure it out, bro. It's not happening. Who's going to step up? It's probably going to be D-Rose. It'll, it'll probably be D-Rose. I mean, the person with the most experience in the playoffs, a former MVP. And he seems to, you know, kind of found his lane with this team. I think he's going to be our second banana. And then after that, I don't know. Don't know. He's also being guarded by Trey Young. Yeah. So, I mean, 
that gives you added motivation, I think. The Mighty Mouse. Hope they, I mean, they could. That this is a team where you can cross match with them, but for some reason, it just didn't work out when he cross matched because I guess the way like Tom Thibodeau saw it, he was just running the other dudes off screens who Trey Young was guarding, and they were just splashing threes on him. If you remember the games, I was just like, I was like, damn, bro, this shit is crazy. Because I mean, I thought in the beginning of the season the Hawks were gonna be really good, so I was still like, this could be a possible matchup, you know, just to watch. But I don't know, man. Listen, I don't know if there's anything you could take away from our three games other than that we didn't have anyone who could guard Randall, and you didn't have anyone who could guard Young besides Neil Aquina, who's not going to be playing in the playoffs. Yeah, he won't play much. Yeah, I'm like six minutes a game. And if he is playing more than that, Hawks fans are going to be very, very happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, look, man, the the Julius Randle question is a big question, though. I'm not, we're not going to just sit here and act like that's not a huge question, bro. No, is the the last huge question though for me is the referees. Both of these teams have not been in like playoff scenarios filled with young players. For Atlanta, I think it's even more impactful than New York because New York plays like a physical, rugged style. Trey Young shot the second most free throws in the league behind Joel Embiid. And so much of his game is predicated off going to the free throw line, baiting people into fouls, uh, running a pick and roll, getting right in front of the point guard and stopping so he runs into you as you shoot. He drew more uh, uh, three-point fouls than any player in the league not named Damian Lillard last year. Um, And so obviously officiating in that difference from regular season where they call ticky-tack bullshit – and off season where you got to actually show some fucking blood, yeah. and <laughs> that's and gonna the play- be a big difference. The playoffs is different, man. That's why I'm really interested to see how Trey Young's gonna play. Because I mean, who's his? Who who you know who his comp is? His comp is Steph Curry, and we know how much trouble he had in the beginning of his career in the playoffs. You know, so we we'll see how it goes, man. I just don't like the style of play of the playoffs just favors our team, like the New York Knicks a lot better than it, than it does. It does. There's no denying that. I think we can get our predictions. Now the style of play, how you play, everything translates more to the playoffs. Usually in the playoffs, the teams, they can defend, they can play a half court style. They have the best player and have the best coach usually win. And that's the New York Knicks checking every single box against the Atlanta Hawks. On the other side of the coin, nowadays you like to see your players be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. And the Atlanta Hawks have more versatile, skilled offensive players than the Knicks do. They have more players that can do more things than the Knicks do. They're a deeper team with a more reliable bench than the Knicks. And uh, I believe in their uh, offensive capability is much, much higher than the Knicks. It's a question of in the new era where offenses are dominating and the Mavs who had the best offense in league history last year, that offense would have been like 20th in the league this year. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, true. And it's like, so how do we we, uh, make these two things like way out? Between defense is so important, but offenses are putting up 120 a game. But you're forgetting your wild card, and I'm surprised you didn't even say his name. Solomon Hill. Solomon Hill. (laughs) (laughs) 
Are we going to have him dive uh, into Julius Randle's knee in the opening quarter? Watch out for Solomon. I'm telling you, if Julius Randle is guarded by Solomon, just pass out. We're don't even don't even worry about it. I have a word of wise to any of you guys out here. If you play against another NBA player and he appears to be homeless, watch out for him. <laughs> if you're a billionaire who intentionally is looking like a homeless person, you're going to bring it every night. No fucks given. We're going at knees. We're getting every 50-50 ball. You're going to have to figure your PCL out later, homie. Yeah. All right, man. So who you got? What's your prediction? Give it to me. I've a lot on this. In the end, I'm going to not try to go with my head. I'm going to go with my heart. Hawks in five. We get it done in Atlanta. That is just so disrespectful. That's so disrespectful. You put Houston as your third coach of the year. I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Let me breathe for a second. <laughs> Let me breathe for a second. I need the fifth. <laughs> so gentlemen, gentlemen sweep, huh? Gentlemen sweep. Yeah, no, a fuck, a fuck boy sweep. <laughs> we we let you win the first game, and then we fucking win the next four. The fuck okay. boy sweep. Okay, I, I got you, man. I got you. So here's the thing. This is how it's going to go. Yeah. Knicks. Yo, Brooklyn, stand up. Brooklyn, stand up real quick. Manhattan, sit down. <laughs> We're going with the Knicks in six. You won't be able to beat us at home. We're knocking you both on those. You're going to win your first home game. We're going to smack you with the Hawks. No, no, actually, you might win. You might win both your home games. Then we're going to beat you again in New York, and then we'll just finish you off in Atlanta like you always do. You lose on the road because every game's going to be a home game for the New York Knicks. The Atlanta Hawks have a transit city, baby. New York and six, bro. I'm going to respect your team and not say five. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely foul. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I, I already know that Trey Young is going to give him the fuckboy sweep and then shave all his hair off and donate it to Spike Lee courtside so he can start his own birth sanctuary. <laughs> I can't wait for Spike Lee to trash talk fucking Trey Young. And every time Nikola Kina scores, I'm going to text you, fuck Trey Young. Let's go. Every time that Spike Lee talks trash, I want to, like somebody to interview Quint Capella, Danilo Gallinari, and Bogdan Bogdanovich, <laughs> and I want them to give me in-depth answers about Spike Lee's movies. <laughs> it's not gonna happen man i am actually extremely excited to see what's going down the improvement of our two teams this year is tenfold and i am ready for something exciting. i think a decent amount of america is ready for this one too this is a good matchup y'all don't sleep on this i haven't been this excited since the safety win season hey yeah true and that was a fraudulent team so imagine having a real team right <laughs> <laughs> Well, man. Well, I think that's it. You got Knicks and six. I got Hawks and five. But yep. between the two of us, it's clear neither one of us has an ounce of sense. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all for uh, kicking it with us today. Thank you for previewing the playoffs. Uh, thank you for listening to us talk about Steven Silas for three and a half minutes. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'll be on the lookout for our interview. 
Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, what platform is that on? It is the I Just Can't Chill podcast. Our interview should be up on his next episode. It is Think Out Tomorrow, so it'll be Saturday. Hey. So, so be out on the lookout for that one. Hey, and I did a whole special guest episode uh, with the homie Kevin Mangle on the Cancel This podcast, uh, taking the place of his co-host Justin there. Um, and so that should be coming out this week as well. And uh, that's got some sports stuff. It's got some some hip hop, some popular culture, and some what the fuck are people thinking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, some of our favorite things. All right, Joe. Well, I tell you what, Terry, I am uh, I'm eagerly looking forward to seeing that beautiful hawk shirt emblazoned in your background for the foreseeable future. <laughs> right here. Yeah, right there in the corner. Nobody puts Harry the Hawk in the corner. All right, look, you can always find our stuff at dhlspod.com. And thank you for stepping across the line with us in North Carolina. Can stand, continue to stand up. Peace, man. But ATL going to rise up. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to our podcast this evening. Thank you, thank you. You're far too kind.